2020, it has been quite the year, hasn't it? I've been thinking about some of the things that have been happening in Australia and New Zealand in 2020. And of course, the first thing that comes to all of our brains is coronavirus, right? But does anyone remember back in January when Australia was on fire? I mean, we didn't see blue sky for weeks. All it was was this gray orange glow and there was ash floating from the sky like gray snowflakes. And so I was thinking if we were to create a bit of a timeline of 2020, it would look a little bit like this. January, Australia literally on fire. February, floods hit both Australia and the South Island of New Zealand. In Australia, this was great from a, you know, put out the fires perspective, not so great from a everything is flooded perspective. And at the same time, a tiny virus from Wuhan was making its presence felt overseas. March, COVID-19 hit Australia and New Zealand and lockdowns began. New Zealand declared a state of emergency and everyone had to stay home. Panic buying of toilet paper became a thing. The Olympics were postponed, along with the weddings of thousands of engaged couples and tens of thousands of jobs were lost as the travel, in the travel industry as international flights were canceled. Then we've got April, close to 600,000 jobs were lost in Australia as the lockdown hit really hard. Internal borders between Australian states were closed and travel restrict restrictions were ramped up. In May, another 227,000 Australian jobs were lost. In June, in New South Wales, a maximum of five people were allowed to visit in each other's homes. And massive protests began all around the world, including Australia, including New Zealand, in the wake of George, Flo George Floyd's death. In July, with rising cases in Victoria, the state re-entered lockdown for the second time. August, Auckland re-enters lockdown for the second time as a new cluster of COVID cases were discovered. Melbourne began a strict curfew on its residents and 35% of Australian small businesses reported great difficulty in paying the bills. And this only brings us to the start of September. To be honest, it feels like this year has been shipwrecked. So many of our plans for this year gone. Jobs lost, businesses struggling, weddings postponed or transformed into elopements, funerals being held over Zoom, schools online. Everything that we thought 2020 would be, shipwrecked. There's a guy in the Bible called Paul who could relate to this. In fact, I'm sure he felt many of our same emotions when he went through a period of time where everything seemed to go wrong, one after the other after the other. And you're going to find this story in Acts chapter 27. But rather than read the whole chapter for you, I want to just paint the picture today. Firstly, it doesn't start well. Paul is a prisoner. He's in chains. He is being taken to Rome in chains where he's going to stand trial before Caesar, who's the Roman emperor. And the journey is via the Mediterranean Sea. But the problem is it's winter, the worst time of year to be sailing. They set out anyway, but the weather is so bad that they actually have to stop at a harbour along the way. But when they get to this harbour, there's actually no place where they can safely you know, wait out the rest of winter. And so the decision is made to continue sailing directly into the bad weather. Remember, this is not a cruise ship. This is an ancient sailing ship. And Paul is not a guest, he's a prisoner. And so this was never going to be fun at the best of times, let alone in terrible weather. So in the same way that I gave you the timeline of 2020 earlier, I want to give you now Paul's timeline. Day one, they are hit by hurricane force winds and the ship is totally out of control. The sailors tie ropes around the hull of the boat to keep it from breaking apart. Day two, 
the sailors throw all of the cargo overboard. There is no hope of making a profit from selling any of this cargo now. They are just trying to survive. Day three, the sailors throw all of their tackle and all their other equipment overboard. Now all they have is the bare bones of what they need for survival. It's all they've got left on the ship. The Bible then tells us that for many days, they did not see the sun during the day or the stars during the night. There was no break in the storm day after day after day. No one had eaten in days. I'm guessing no one had an appetite. And Acts 27 verse 20 says, they finally gave up all hope of being saved. On night 14, 14 days, can you imagine? On night 14, the sailors realized they were approaching land and the storm was still really, really bad. And they were afraid that the boat was gonna be dashed against the rocks. And so the sailors secretly let the lifeboat down in an attempt to escape the ship and leave everyone else on board. Soldiers, passengers, prisoners, and Paul. Paul realized what was happening. And so the soldiers managed to prevent the sailors from abandoning them. On day 15, the ship was dashed to pieces as they were shipwrecked on the island of Malta. This is a pretty rough situation to find yourself in. I can only imagine the fear and the hopelessness that they must have been feeling. Shipwrecked. Paul's a prisoner. No idea where you are. No idea what's going to happen. I wonder if 2020 has left you feeling shipwrecked. Maybe your business just can't seem to get on its feet due to COVID. Maybe financial worry is keeping you up at night. You're unable to sleep or to relax because of the bills that just seem to hang over your head every moment of the day. Maybe this season has brought up issues in your relationships or in your family that have just been swept under the rug for far too long. Maybe everything just feels too hard right now. I think that when we feel shipwrecked, there's a few different ways that we tend to respond. And maybe you'll recognize yourself in one of these. The first way is denial. You're a little bit like Dory from Finding Nemo. Your motto is just keep swimming, just keep swimming, head down, bum up, keep working hard in the hope that everything will eventually work, its, work itself out. And so when a season like 2020 hits, you keep doing what you were doing before, just more so. <laughs> in your relationship with God, you go into avoidance mode. Maybe you're going through the motions, maybe you're ignoring God altogether, but you're avoiding him because you're avoiding facing up to the situation. Maybe num you're number two, defeat. You're less like Dory and more like Eeyore. A sense of hopelessness fills your soul. You see no answers, no way out. You feel exhausted physically and emotionally. And your relationship with God just becomes non-existent because you feel like you just don't have it in you. Well, maybe you're number three, anger. You're like the Bruce Banner, Incredible Hulk combo. In your Hulk moments, your anger is visible and it's directed at anyone around you. And in your Bruce Banner moments, your anger is invisible and it's directed only at God, but it's still very much there. And either way, it's eating you up inside. And you stop trusting and you withdraw emotionally and you feel like God himself has abandoned you. And so you avoid him. You may be in denial, you may be in defeat, you may be in anger, but in all three, we pull away from God. We refuse him entry into our minds and into our hearts. But I love Paul's reaction. He didn't go into denial, didn't go into defeat, didn't go into anger. He went through the most horrific things, but at no point did he think that God had abandoned him. Instead, he realized that at our lowest point, God is faithful. When we hit rock bottom, 
it's actually a great place to be because you find strength in this moment. You stop doing things in your own strength and you find God's strength instead. And finally, we rely on God instead of on ourselves. And we can actually see this in 2 Corinthians where Paul decides to talk about some of these things that he goes through. In chapter 11, verse 24, he says, Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. That last line, the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Can I just say as your pastor, I relate to that. This is what Dave and I feel for good life. We miss you so much. We miss seeing your faces. We miss hanging out. We miss chatting. We miss being with you. And we feel that daily concern for good life church. But back to Paul, what's he saying? He's saying, I get it. He's saying, me too. <laughs> you're going through tough times. Me too, man. Paul's saying, I understand what, you've, what you're going through. But then a few verses on, he gives us this key in the words of Jesus, where Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. This is in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And this revelation from Jesus actually brought Paul so much peace. And he goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For where I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul realized that these tough seasons, the shipwrecks of life, are not brought about by God, but they are used by God to prove himself strong in our lives. Over and over, God proves himself faithful in the tough times. Over and over, God gives us strength in exchange for our weakness. When I'm weak, then I'm strong because it's no longer my strength, it's his. In my weakness, Christ's power is available for me. And Paul got this. And so when he went through a tough season, he didn't avoid God. He leaned into the presence of God. He realized how much he needed God's strength in his weakness. And so he leaned in rather than pulling away. And God honored it. And we see this back in our story in Acts chapter 27. Before they even got on the ship, Paul had heard from God. He was only a prisoner, so of course he didn't listen to him. But he heard from God and he warned them. In verse 10, he says, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. So even before they set out, Paul was listening to the Holy Spirit and bringing a word of wisdom to those around him. But of course they didn't listen. Paul's troubles were not self-inflicted. He was on this ship, in this storm, facing this shipwreck because of the actions of others. He had warned them, but they'd ignored him. And yet still he listens to the Holy Spirit. During the storm, when everyone had given up hope, 
Paul brings a word of encouragement to them in verse 20. It says, after they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. And then you would have spared yourselves this damage and this loss. Now, side note here. He's not saying this as a, I told you so, or to rub their noses in it. He's reminding them of his prophetic warning in the hope that they will listen now. And then he goes on to say, now I urge you, keep up your courage. Not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we will run aground on some island. And so in the middle of the storm, no one's eaten. They haven't seen the sun for days on end. They've given up all hope of survival. Paul brings a word from God. He says the ship will be destroyed. We will be shipwrecked on an island, but everyone will survive. What a promise in the midst of a hopeless situation. But Paul received this promise only because he was listening to God. And God brought a prophetic word of encouragement, not only to Paul, but to everyone around him. And then on day 15, everyone knew they were about to be shipwrecked. Paul again spoke up. He promised that God was going to protect each and every one of them. He broke bread. He gave thanks to God for it in front of everyone. And he encouraged everyone to eat. And verse 36 says, they were all encouraged. So here's what I want you to see. Paul listened to God's voice before the storm. He listened during the storm and he listened right at the point of the shipwreck. No matter how bad it got, Paul leaned into God. And by doing so, he was strengthened and encouraged. And by doing so, he was able to strengthen and encourage others. By doing so, he was given a prophetic promise from the Holy Spirit for his own life and for the lives of those around him. Imagine if Paul had avoided God in this situation. Imagine if he'd gone into denial or slipped into defeat or become angry with God. Imagine the fear that would have taken hold of him. Imagine how overwhelmed he would have been. But instead, he was able to keep a quiet confidence through it all. Now, he still went through it. He still went through it. The seasickness, the storms, the hunger, the cold, the hardship. But he went through it knowing that God would keep him safe. He went through it confident in the presence of God, knowing the faithfulness of God, able to encourage others in the faith. And others were saved because of him. Others were blessed because of him. Others were encouraged because of him. Others were healed because of him. In Acts 28 verse 9, we find out that on this island where they were shipwrecked, Paul prayed for the sick and they were healed. Your opportunity to do this is right in front of you as well. It could be as simple as opening up your home to others. Invite those that God puts on your heart into your home. Share a meal. Watch a service together. Chat together. Allow God to use those moments to encourage others just like Paul did. Imagine if we were to come out of the other side of this 2020 shipwreck and see that God has used us to save those around us. That God has used us to bless others, to encourage others, to heal others. Imagine if the year that the devil meant for evil, God turns around for good. Imagine if 2020, 
the year that feels shipwrecked is actually the vehicle that God uses for miracles. Imagine if God chooses to use the combination of 2020 and you to bless the struggling business, to bring healing to the difficult marriage, to bring salvation to the lost. Imagine if instead of surviving 2020, we come out the other side stronger. So how did Paul do it? At every point in this story, Paul was listening to God. He was able to hear God and encourage others. Paul knew that his weakness was the perfect avenue for God's strength. That when he is weak, God's grace and strength are his. But how? How do we access this? How do we tap into this? Well, Jesus gave us the answer in John chapter 15. Verse 4, he says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Remain in me. This is how Paul did it. He was able to hear God speak because he never left God's presence. Into every situation, good or bad, he brought the presence of the Holy Spirit. Remain in me. The New King James Version says, abide in me. And the Greek word for remain or abide is meno. And it means continue to be present. This actually paints a really powerful picture because being present is a buzzword in these days of iPhones and Netflix, right? It seems too many of us are not present in our relationships, not present with our kids, not present in our marriages or our friendships because we always have one eye on our phone or we watch Netflix instead of talking or we post to Instagram instead of being fully in the moment. But Jesus is saying, be present. And it starts with God. Be present in your relationship with God. Don't Instagram your devotion or so everyone thinks you're spiritual. Instead, be present with your Savior. Listen to his whisper. Stop and breathe him in. Quiet your soul and lean into him. Abide. Be present. That's why Paul was able to walk onto that ship calmly and confidently, sailing into the storm because he was in the presence of God. God had already spoken to him about what would happen because he was abiding with God. He was listening. And so he could sail into the storm knowing that God would carry him through. And in the middle of the storm, God spoke again through an angelic visitation. I wonder how many of us might receive visions or prophetic dreams or even angelic visitations in the middle of our storm if we were just present with God. If we were actively in the presence of God instead of avoiding him. I wonder how many times we would hear God if we would just be in the presence of God instead of on Facebook. And at the end, right before the shipwreck, God spoke again. And not only was Paul encouraged, but he was able to encourage those around him, those who were going through the same thing that he was going through. He was able to feed others. He was able to encourage others. And on the island, he was able to pray and see others healed. All because he knew what it was to abide in God, what it meant to be present with God. I wonder sometimes how many of us myself included, are effectively Christian atheists. 
You know, we believe that Jesus is our saviour. We believe we've been forgiven of our sins. We believe we're going to heaven, but that's kind of where our Christianity ends. In our minds, we are Christians, but our lives betray a lack of belief or a lack of faith in who our God is and what he has promised us. Because God has so much more for us. Let me read again from John chapter 15, verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you can go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So remain in him and ask. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine according to his power at work in us. If God can use a storm and a shipwreck to save 276 people, if God can use a shipwrecked Jewish prisoner to heal people on an island in the middle of the Mediterranean, if God can use a child's lunch to feed 5,000 people, if God can break people out of prison cells, then why can't he use a shipwreck 2020 to transform lives, to bless his people, to bring salvation and healing and hope? Why not? Romans 8:11 reminds us that the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in us. Verse 28 says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You see, God is at work. He is. Through the good times, through the tough times, and through the shipwrecks, he is at work. Are we present with him? Are we abiding in him? Are we ready for his whisper, ready for his miracle, ready for his power? Because his strength is made perfect in our weakness. That's all we can bring to this equation, weakness. But yet it's the very thing that gives us his strength. This divine exchange, our weakness for his strength, our fear for his peace, our brokenness for his miraculous power. And we are stronger in his presence. Don't avoid him in the shipwreck. Don't avoid him before the shipwreck. Abide. Be continually present with him. And so just on a really practical level, how do I do this? And, you know, the obvious answer is our time with God, reading the Bible and time in prayer. But it's more than just doing this once a day and ticking the box and then, you know, you're kind of on your own. For me, it's about taking the moments during the day to still your spirit just for a moment. Sometimes I'll literally just close my eyes and I'll breathe in, breathe out. And as I'm doing that in my heart, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, I breathe you in. And I'm breathing out all my cares, all my worries, all my fears. It's just a moment. It's a brief moment. In that moment, I have connected with the Holy Spirit. Or I pray breath prayers. Breath prayers are just prayers that you can pray throughout the day that are so short they can be said in a single breath. Sometimes I'll just close my eyes and physically lean in with my body. And in my heart, I'm leaning into the presence of God. I'm stilling my thoughts just for a moment to be aware of his presence and to let him speak to my heart, filling me with peace and strength. Just takes a moment. This has become very pertinent for me this week as I feel like I'm in a storm. I found out a few days ago that my brother has been diagnosed with COVID. He is the sickest he has been in his life. But he's not in Australia or New Zealand where the, you know, the medical support systems are amazing. 
He and his family are missionaries in Mexico. COVID is rife in Mexico. There are 611,000 known cases. And on the 1st of September, there were 6,476 new cases. My brother is one of those cases. Only two hospitals are taking COVID patients in Tijuana and the hospitals are full. There's no room for him. So he's being treated at home, which to be honest, could be a blessing because the hospitals are not always great over there. And if he was in hospital, my sister-in-law would be completely banned from visiting him at all. So he's at home and a doctor is visiting him twice a day. He's hooked up to an IV drip and he's got a nebulizer to help him breathe. It's funny how suddenly a pandemic that, if I'm really honest, I considered as an inconvenience to my daily life, suddenly takes on a more sinister shape in my mind because it hits close to home all of a sudden. And suddenly the storm that was raging in other places has begun to rage in my life, in my family, with my loved ones. And there's nothing I can do but pray. Like literally nothing I can do but pray. I can't visit them. They can't leave Mexico. I can't send supplies or pop over to clean their house or to help nurse my brother. I literally can do nothing except the one thing that makes all the difference in the world. Abide in him. Be present with him. Lean into the Holy Spirit and believe for a miracle. Stand on the truth that the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in my brother and he will bring him back to full health with no ongoing issues. Stand on the truth that no weapon formed against my brother will prosper. Stay in the presence of the God who is my healer, our deliverer, our miracle worker. I will not choose denial. I will not choose defeat. I will not choose anger. I choose to abide in him. Because when I'm weak, he is strong. His grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in my weakness. What about you? Maybe you've been a Christian all your life, but you need to start living in the continual presence of God once more. Maybe the storm has shaken you and you've been avoiding him. Maybe you've been trying to fight your battles in your own strength, forgetting that your strength is found in him. I don't know what it is for you. I do know the answer though. Abide. Be present with him. Maybe you've never encountered this God that I'm talking about. The one who exchanges your weakness for his strength. The one who is faithful through the storms and through the shipwreck and turns everything for good. Maybe you don't know him yet. I'd love to introduce him to you today. Wherever you are watching this from, whenever you see this, You can encounter this God today. It is as simple as opening your heart to him. And I'm going to pray a really simple prayer. And if you want to open your heart to God, if you want to encounter this God that I'm talking about, just repeat this prayer after me, but mean it with all your heart. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know that I need you. Today, I surrender to your love. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Change my life. Be my God. I give you my heart and my life today. In Jesus' name, amen.